Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. I am your host, Spen, joined as always by my brother, Nick, and we are very happy to have on a special guest tonight. Former Brooklyn Net, CJ Watson, joins us on Fireside Nets. CJ, how's it going, man? Everything's good. How you doing? Cannot complain. I'm in, uh, I'm in Englewood, New Jersey. He, Nick's in Brooklyn. He's a true fan. He moved out there about a month ago. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We're just dealing with this nor'easter, man. The weather out here in the tri-state area is terrible. We got like two feet of snow. Yeah, that's what I heard. I've been seeing on the news and stuff that you guys got a lot of snow. So hope you guys stay safe out there. I'm not leaving my apartment for, for nothing. <laughs> I got all the food I need. Right. No, I made the mistake. I made the mistake of not going grocery shopping last night. And now I'm stuck with like eggs and tortillas for a week. You gotta make it but work. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. Where Where are you at now, CJ? Where are you located? I live in Las Vegas. Nice. So what's up in Vegas? Uh, nothing much. You know, just it's about sixty degrees here, so it's not, it's not too bad. It snowed here last week, uh, but you know it didn't stick. But uh, you know, just trying to stay safe. You know, and wear a mask, and you know, and try to make it out of this COVID uh, pandemic. So that's about it. Whenever I hear someone mention Vegas, I got to shout out my my friend Keith Bosworth. Uh, him and his uncle, they're opening up the Virgin Casino. I'm not sure if you've heard about that. The new yeah, Virgin yeah. Hotel. Yeah, the old yeah. Hard Rock. Yeah. Yup, yup. Exactly. They, they ran that. Yeah. They're opening this one up. I, I he uh, whenever I fly out there, I stay at the Hard Rock. Now I'll be staying at Virgin. I'm I'm very excited. He's gonna let me oh, know nice. when they're, they're, they're opening soon. Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice. That's a good connect right there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> he he hooks it up too for sure. Right. Yeah. Tell him I might need a job. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah awesome sweet so so we'll get a little bit into your basketball history we can start from the beginning so just you know where are you from originally and uh and how did you get started in basketball i'm from las vegas nevada born and raised um just started playing basketball in the backyard in the front yard with my my, my brother and uh my dad just uh you know just playing for the fun of it uh playing to stay out of trouble and decided that i you know taking a liking to it and was pretty good at it and just tried to you know take it full time and you know going to college and playing uh, professionally and just kind of making it my my job and career. Oh yeah, and who who is your team growing up? Vegas. Who who do people from Vegas usually root for? Uh, the Lakers, because you know it's the West Coast team. LA is not too far, three hour uh, drive or whatever. So Lakers is my favorite team, uh, and Magic was my favorite player growing up. So. Nice. So <clears> then <throat> you ended up at Tennessee, right? Yeah, University of Tennessee. Uh, went there. My first school of choice was UCLA, but the coach got fired. So I just decided to open back up my recruiting. And then, you know, Tennessee called and pretty much uh, told me I would, you know, go in there and start uh, right away. So that was a, a plus for me. And my family was two hours away. So I was a, another plus. Nice. And then so you were there all four years at Tennessee? Yep, all four years. Yep. Sweet. And then so 06, undrafted in the NBA draft, you went overseas. And where did you play after, after the, you graduated from college? I played in Italy, Italy uh, Reggio Emilia. It's a small city, uh, about probably like an hour and a half, two hours from Milan. And um, uh, overseas was tough for me for my first year because I had a different coach every month. Uh, my coach kept getting fired. We weren't the, the greatest team. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was a learning learning experience for myself, uh, learning the professional game, learning the ins and outs of basketball, the business side of it, and kind of, you know, just taking it from there. 
Is that scary? Like going to a new country, like don't not speak in the main language, just trying to mesh, especially in like on not just yeah. on a basketball court, but just in life. Yeah, yeah. Just in general, like you said, basketball on and off the court, it was it was pretty tough. I went over there by myself. A lot of the other American players had like their girlfriends or wives. And I was the only one, you know, fresh out of college, uh, 20 year, 21 years old, and just trying to, you know, make it and get some get some money and the most money I ever made in my life. So I definitely wasn't gonna pass it down. So uh definitely had to go. <laughs> But uh, it was just a chance for me to, to see see the world and see a different country um, from my point of view. Nice. And what, what would you say, like, the major differences between uh, NBA basketball and, like, playing internationally, playing overseas? Like, is it just the level of competitiveness that NBA obviously is, like, the top tier, but is it a different style of basketball as well? I think it was a different style before, uh, but now I think the uh, Europeans catching up with the NBA. Uh, they play fast over there. They play four on one in or maybe five, all five guards. And I think the biggest thing for me was just kind of just learning the language barrier and then, you know, kind of just being being alone uh, by myself with no family, no friends or anything like that. Just uh, trying to mesh and, and uh, you know, make meals by myself, go to the grocery store and trying to buy the first first time I went to a grocery store, I brought I bought goat milk instead of like regular milk for cereal. So it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of weird <laughs> and, and terrible tasting. But, uh, you know, you live and learn, just learn through the mistakes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can do that, man. I, I give you all the credit mm-hmm. in the world for going over there and, and playing basketball professionally. Um, <clears throat> so, obviously, you came back to the NBA. You played for the Warriors for a few seasons. What can you tell us about those first few years playing alongside guys like Baron Davis, Steven Jackson, Matt Barnes? I mean, what made those Warriors teams so special? I think just the camaraderie. Uh, we all kind of hung out uh, off the court. We all went to eat together all the time, went to the mall, walk around. Um, when we had dead time, we were all in someone's room just hanging out and just, uh, you know, watching movies, laughing. And uh, still to this day, we're all still in a group chat and uh, it's still it's still fun and laughs and all that kind of stuff. So I would just say just the brotherhood of it all uh, made the team closer. And uh, I feel like that that was with uh, pretty much all my teams that I played with. We all kind of uh, hung out together and uh, did did things that, together, which made it easier for us for, to bond on the court. You, you played with Steph Curry your rookie year. I'm sorry, his rookie year in Golden State, right? right? Right, yeah. <laughs> Did you foresee him, like, being as good as he is today? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, you saw that he was going to be good. Uh, you saw he had a, a definitely a shooting touch and a stroke. Um, but, you know, you never can sit here and say, you know, we saw superstar status like he is today and kind of how he changed the game. I, I would be lying if I said I did, but you definitely saw him putting in the work. He was always there, you know, before practice, after practice, putting in the work. And uh, he was just he was just dedicated. You know, he has great genes and his mom and dad, his dad playing the NBA. So uh, he knows what it takes to, to be good in the NBA and to, to last. And now you see he's a superstar. For sure. Next few seasons, you were in Chicago. That's actually where me and Nick remember you most, because I think Chicago had a lot of nationally televised games yeah. <laughs> during those seasons you played for them. So I, yeah. I remembered you like I remember CJ Watson from the Bulls. Uh, what was the the culture change like going from Golden State and uh, an older, you know, not as not as playoff savvy team to Chicago, where you guys were the best team in the East for a few years with with D Rose, Luol Deng, Jimmy Butler, and all those guys. Yeah, it's crazy because uh, going into the season, no one predicted us to go to the playoffs. Uh, like all the polls were like, you know, we're tenth or eleventh or whatever. But um, Tibbs came in there with a new mindset. He was a new coach. He wanted to prove that. You know, he could coach, and uh, we had a lot of players uh, need to prove themselves, like D-Rose, uh, Joe Kim Noah, uh, even myself, Ronnie Brewer, Kyle Korver. We all had something to prove, and I think that was uh, what made us so good. And we all kind of bonded and clicked, and uh, there was no egos. There was no, uh, you know, 
jealousy on the team. Everyone knew who the star was, D Rose, and we all kind of just fell in line after that. What was it like playing for Thibodeau? Uh, it was fun. Uh, the practices were harder than the game, so that was the you know that was the easy part. Uh, once we got out, we were just happy we made it out of practice. Sometimes <laughs> uh, once we got to the games, you know the games would be a cakewalk compared to his practice. Honestly, that sounds like not a bad strategy to have. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was definitely fun because, like I said, the games were, were so much easier. I mean, we were more tired. I feel like after practice than we were after games. <laughs> he he's doing well in New York right now. He seems <clears throat> to he seems to have those guys playing really hard with the Knicks. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing Tibbs is going to do. He's going to get you playing hard. If uh, if you don't, you don't play hard offensively or defensively, uh, he definitely won't play you. So, you know, his, his team is always going to play hard and, and compete. Um, final Bulls question before we move on to the Nets. Uh, I was just wondering, like, when that LeBron, Bosch, D. Wade team came together in Miami mm-hmm. and, and you guys were balling out, I mean, did, did you look at that and say, like, man, if, if they had just stayed where they were, you guys <laughs> probably would have been in the finals. Yeah, I think we would have won the championship. I, I believe we would have faced uh, Dallas that year, and I think we beat Dallas twice, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But we definitely knew that we could have beat Dallas. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, uh, I faced LeBron a couple times in the Eastern Conference Finals, and we couldn't get past him either time. So, I mean, I think that just speaks to his greatness and how good he is. And, you know, those teams were hard to beat. Before we move on to the Nets there, Spen, uh, went to the Warriors uh, after playing overseas and then Chicago. H- how was your role – as a basketball player, like evolving over that time? Where did you see yourself going? Where did you see yourself fitting in? Um, what did you feel you were best at and how could you most help a team? Um, I knew I was going to be a bench player. I didn't uh, necessarily want to be a starter. Um, I was comfortable coming off the bench, bringing the energy, bringing, you know, the the speed to the game and kind of some scoring off the bench and just some leadership. And uh, after that Warriors stint, I was more of a scorer uh, with the Warriors. Then, I, you know, I had to transition to be more of a, uh, uh, a backup point guard and getting other guys involved because I had great players on my team who can score the ball. I didn't really need to score that much. I was definitely capable, but uh, I didn't really have to. So it was kind of adjustment, but uh, it wasn't nothing I wasn't used to. All right. So finally, in the 2012-2013 season, you land in Brooklyn. You played for the Nets. I remember loving the pickup because I watched you on those Bulls teams. I thought the Nets could use a tough player like you with that playoff pedigree, a veteran guy who can come in, come in and back up Darren Williams. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts when you headed to Brooklyn? Obviously, Joe Johnson, Brooke Lopez, you guys had a nice core. Uh, you know, t- talk to us about your, your, your year there. Uh, when I signed with Brooklyn, I was kind of surprised. I was shocked. Um, I didn't think they would uh, or they had enough uh, room or whatever, um, but I was definitely happy. Uh, happy. Uh, D-Will texted me because me and him were teammates on the USA Team USA uh, probably like four or five years ago uh, before that. And uh, i known him from there. He was my roommate. And uh, he just texted me and said, you know, it'd be great to have you on the team. Uh, we've got a solid, solid team here. We're trying to make some noise and, you know, do some damage in the playoffs. And I, I was just kind of really just all with it. Um, uh, never been to uh, New York before besides playing there. And I actually didn't never, never liked New York because of the traffic and stuff. But uh, <laughs> definitely grown to grown to like it, grown to like, you know, the pizza, the food, uh, the fans, just the, just the whole atmosphere of New York lifestyle. And I, it kind of grew up. Did you guys on the Nets, when you went there and you saw the squad, did you think they had potential to, to, to be a, a deep playoff contender, potentially a championship team, like especially coming from the Bulls, who at the time were when you played over there at their prime or top tier? I thought we did. We had definitely veterans, uh, guys, you know, been to the playoffs. Um, Gerald Wallace, you know, D. Will, Brooke Lopez, and, you know, bringing a star like Joe Johnson to the team. 
and uh, all the little missing pieces that we we added, Reggie Evans, uh, Andre Blatch, Keith Bogans, uh, all those guys, you know, played a big role. Um, we definitely feel like we came up short in that series uh, with the Bulls. I know I, I I wanted to win that series really bad. <laughs> I know Keith did too because we both played on the Bulls uh, those couple years, and uh, it's just it just sucks that we didn't get a chance to kind of go back at it <clears throat> the next year. On this on this podcast, and you know, I I don't know D well on a personal level. On this podcast, we've uh, we've expressed some disappointment just in those years of, of all the lead up. Um, I know there's right. been some controversy around D a little bit, but obviously nothing but love here. Um, just to give a little bit of context, me and Spen had New Jersey Nets season tickets. We were like nine years old in the early 2000s, so we yeah. watched the team go back to back championships. So those early, you know, 2000 2010s going forward, and you jumped on there, man. We thought we had yeah. like a little bit of a, a reinvigoration coming back. Like we were just gonna be one of the be, be a winning team again so right. those years dying so quickly for us we're, we're a little bit disappointing to see because obviously when you have so much talent in one place you hope it manifests you know right yeah yeah yeah. i can i can see how you know fans are mad and have high expectations <laughs> um every year but me not playing basketball now uh just looking from the outside in is i definitely see the fan fan part of it i get it now i didn't really get it as much playing i just know Thought you guys were crazy and just, uh, you know, <laughs> didn't have nothing to do. <laughs> well, I definitely Still crazy. Still I mean, crazy. You're, you're not wrong. We have nothing to do and we are crazy. Um, it's a great transition, though, CJ, because I want to talk about this current Brooklyn Nets team for a little bit. Uh, yeah. We got to start. Did you see that that finish against the Wizards at all on Sunday night? Yeah, actually, I, I don't really watch a whole bunch of basketball. I mean, as I, much as I did when I played. Um, with having three kids and stuff, but my TV is somehow always on cartoons, but I did watch the game yesterday. Uh, it was a crazy game. I watched it actually from start to finish. Um, and uh, I thought the Nets were actually going to blow them out. I walked away. They were up like 20 at one point. I was like, ah, oh, this is a blowout. Then I come back, you know, it's close game uh, after halftime. They're getting closer. Westbrook is getting hot, you know, and uh, I just think, you know, the Nets kind of just let up, you know, they're so talented. Uh, they can score so easy and, but they don't play any defense. So that's the, the biggest part. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, – I mean, those types of losses happen so rarely in sports, right? You're up five points with 14 seconds left. It's an aberration. 99 times out of 100, you win that game. This right. was the one out of 100. So I guess my question to you, CJ, is as a player on the Nets, how deflating is it to lose a game like that? I mean, it's deflating, but at the end of the day, it's only one game. Uh, that game, you know, could maybe cost you the two or three or maybe even the one seed, whatever the case may be, but – you know, the, it's a long season. Uh, you gotta, you can't just harp on one loss. Um, good thing about the NBA, there's so many games. Uh, I don't know their schedule. They probably play maybe today or tomorrow, whatever the case may be. And once that ball goes in the air again, that last game, you know, is kind of in the wind or whatever. No, it's true. And, and as a player too, I mean, we talk about how terrible this defense has been, right? And like, I think Spen showed me a stat where we, we are on pace to have the highest offensive rating in the league and the worst defensive rating worst, at the yeah. same time. Which is yeah. just sad, right? It almost takes yeah. the the best offensive rating, and it doesn't matter who gives a shit if we can't play. Yeah. Defense. So, I mean, right. as a former player, are you seeing? Is it is it a lack of effort, a lack of pride, or is it actually a, a lack of just like meshing on defense and, and knowing where to be at the right time, knowing their switches, knowing their rotation? Like, how how do you see that struggle? I just think with now where the game of basketball is, uh, everyone's just switching. I mean, um, and defense kind of really isn't the the, the main focus point like it was maybe back in the 90s or you know early early 2000s um like i said back everyone is just switching um they're not really locking down you never see like the best players guard each other anymore um 
And, you know, like I said, I I think more more so everyone's just so concerned about offense, which is cool. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, defense wins championships, and that's what you're striving for. you got to have at least some kind of level of of defense and stopping someone. If if Thibodeau is the coach of this Nets team, you think that defense would be playing a little harder? Uh, Probably, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think he has three superstars on that team, and, you know, they're so good offensively. Uh, he he's one to give up, you know, little stuff here and there. But uh, at the end of the day, he's he's I'm sure he's probably cussing uh, behind closed doors, you know, <laughs> at the at the lack of defense being played. If that was his team. <laughs> no, for sure. Westbrook had a great quote after this game. He said, I've heard all the chatter about me being washed playing against KD. There's always a little extra motivation. All eyes are on that team. So it was the perfect time to make a statement. Don't matter if it's Kyrie or Steph, I'm still the best bleeping teammate KD has ever had. So I I found that funny, but I I guess my question to you, CJ, is the Nets are so stacked. You have three of the top 10 players in the world, arguably two of the top five players in the world. Is there a little bit more juice when teams like the Wizards, the the Cavaliers, these young teams who really don't, they don't, you know, the outside world doesn't think they stand a chance. Is there more juice for them to come in and, and play some of their best basketball? Because Russ, I mean, Russ looked like 26-year-old Russ yesterday with, with right. 41 points. Yeah, I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's the NBA. Anybody can get you on any given day and you can't uh, take it easy or let your guard down because that shows you proof just right there. You know, they let their guard down the whole game um, and, um good players like Russ uh, will come and smack you in the mouth and, and get hot. And then once they get that confidence and everything starts flowing, it's hard to turn the water off. Like a couple of my friends would say, <laughs> um, like but uh, you know, they, uh, they definitely get that confidence and get hot and it's hard to stop the team. And once that, once that starts, you know, it's, it's hard to, hard to stop them. Before that loss, the Nets were on a four game win streak, the thunder, the Hawks, they beat the heat twice. Uh, James Harden played in all those wins and, and he's been playing exceptional. He actually won Eastern conference player of the week. Nick, did you know that? No, that's actually news to me. Good for him. Yeah. I think he won Eastern and then Nikola Jokic won Western, but um, CJ, I, I guess my question is what were your initial thoughts when Harden was traded to the nets? You now have this, this dynamic trio of Harden, Durant, Kyrie. Did you think it would look as good as it, as it's looked? Or did you think that there would be some, I, I guess, some struggling with, with three ball dominant players. I thought it would look great um, with KD. He doesn't really need the ball as much. I don't think uh, cause he catches it in a sweet spot. He's very efficient, but the other two, you know, Kyrie and James, they dribble the ball a lot more. So um, they would probably more have to adapt to each other. I felt like, but I thought it would be a great fit. Um, I, I thought they gave up a little too much, you know, for, for Harden, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you had to give up a lot just to get a player of his caliber. And uh, I think it, I think it'll work in the end. Uh, like I said, KD is just so efficient and uh, he doesn't really need the ball that much, uh, but just giving the ball in the sweet spots. And like I said, those are kind of like the Warriors teams. You can't really leave off any player, especially the way Joe Harris is shooting the ball. He's shooting lights out. Um, you can't really help. Only person you really help off of is DeAndre Jordan uh, with the pick and roll uh, lob threat like him. Uh, he, he gets the ball instead of pick and roll. He's just throw it to the rim. He can still go get it at his age and uh, be pretty effective on the defensive end. So. I like, I like the chances as a player too. I'm curious. Cause I know we joked around before about like fans can hate on so many things. Right. And as a player, you're probably just like, screw off. Like what the hell do we know? Right. And so when LeBron went to South beach, you had Miami and so many people just hated stacking a team with superstars. Um, mm-hmm. As a player, is there, is there any uh, uh, preference when you're on a team of like, Hey, 
if we want three players who are just all scorers, we could put the ball in their hands, like a Harden, Kyrie, Durant situation, or, you know, someone like yourself, would you rather be on a team where full, every guy, all five starters, the bench two, all plays a huge role. Um, you know, it's, it's full team chemistry. Everyone's going in and doing their part. And there's really no focus on these main guys here. It's kind of more spread out and dispersed amongst players. Um, I, w- I mean, I would take your second option, but uh, I think every team needs a star. And then after that, you kind of just, uh, everyone just filter in. Um, kind of going back to the Bulls team, everyone knew D-Rose was a star. Uh, we knew jo- Joan Kim was going to bring the energy every night. We knew big Kurt Thomas was going to come in and, and foul some people hard for us and, and get the energy going. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, everyone on the bench could score, but we all we all did everything as a unit. So I think, uh, you know, you're going to have your stars that do certain things and uh, demand a certain attention. But after that, you just got to filter in, you know, where, wherever you need. Kurt Thomas, there's a throwback right there. I remember him on the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, OG Kurt. Um, <laughs> final, final question before we get to Knicks rapid fire. Uh, the Nets are 13 and nine on the season. They could easily be 16 and five. They, they've lost a few close games that they probably should have won. So far, the, the trio of Harden, KD, and Kyrie have looked stellar offensively, but obviously we said they, they got a lot of work to do on defense. So this is a two-part question. Would the Nets be able to overcome their defensive shortcomings and win a championship with the way that they've been playing this year? And then the second part of the question is who do you think they need to add to this roster in order to kind of fill it out from a defensive perspective? Um, honestly, I don't really see them winning the championship, even they do play defense. <laughs> I, I think the Lakers are their hands down the, the favorites and probably going to win another championship. Uh, again, um, because of LeBron and AD and, like I said, all those intangible pieces that they have over there. And I think uh, the one thing maybe missing from the Nets is maybe another another big just to come off the bench like they were so-called rumoring, uh, maybe like a JaVale McGee or, you know, a DeAndre Drummond, somebody like that, uh, just to come out there and, you know, play defense, uh, guard the paint, uh, block some shots, get rebounds, set picks, you know, do some of the little dirty work and, you know, not really focusing on scoring because those other three guys can put the ball in the basket and Joe Harris. Are you, are you hoping the Lakers win it all? No, no, I'm not hoping. I just, I just don't think, I don't see anyone beating them. <laughs> no, no, just curious. Just curious. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not unbiased. A, yeah. I'm not a huge Laker fan, but I just, I just like the purple and gold, but I don't see anyone beating those, those guys. Let me ask you this, CJ. Do you think that the Nets come out of the East? Uh, I think either the Nets or, or Philadelphia right now, just, you know, from looking out, I think the Heat's haven't, the Heat hasn't played as well and Jimmy hasn't been there. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of hard to judge them. Um, I kind of like Milwaukee, but then I don't, uh, they kind of like a toss up, but I like, uh, but I do like uh, the Nets uh, or Philadelphia coming out. Okay. Well, gets to our last segment, a little segment I like to call Nick's rapid fire. So I'm just going to throw a bunch of questions at you, NBA career, life questions. I know this is Nick's rapid fire, but can we at least like say that I contributed? Because I did contribute to a lot of these questions, Nick. Yeah, but bro, I let you do the intro so that I can get the rapid fire. All right, fine, whatever. Take it away. (laughs) All right, CJ. So after the Nets, um, you went to the Pacers. You're on the Magic as well. So first question here is just, and I I know we keep coming back to the Bulls. What's your favorite NBA team you've ever been on? What year? Uh, I would say the Bulls. Well, actually, I would say my first year, 2008, with the Warriors, because they gave me my chance to play. So without that, then I wouldn't be in the NBA the rest of the time. <laughs> sure. Number two, who was who was the number one opponent you hated guarding the most? Uh, I would say Tony Parker. Ooh, that's a good one. 
All right, if you're picking one guy on this current Nets team to hit the game-winning shot, Harden, Kyrie, or KD? KD, easy. <laughs> What's the best game you've ever played in the NBA? Uh, best game, I think I had 40 points uh, with the Warriors uh, versus Sacramento. Hell yeah. What does CJ stand for? Charles Jr. <laughs> ben, you were curious about that one. <laughs> I think we talked about Tibbs before. Is he, would you say Tibbs the best coach you've ever played for? Is there someone else who stands out, best coach for your game? Uh, I like Coach Nelson. Uh, he invented the the running running gun, uh, you know, small ball type uh, basketball, and I loved his system. And I feel like all his plays worked. I still have his playbook in my house, so and they, and they all his plays still work to this day. <laughs> oh, is that are you getting into coaching at all? No, no, no. I just kind of go through it and send my uh, friends some uh, some plays and stuff when they need them. Nick, do you remember Donnie Nelson, or were you too young for him? <laughs> Vaguely, I mean, I know the name. I know I, I yeah. probably don't remember watching him. He's a great coach, really, yeah. really good coach. Not that I yeah. know from experience. Obviously, CJ played for him, but from what I, as an outside fan, I just know a lot of players like playing for him. Yeah. Hey, listen, we've established on this episode, fans know a lot, right? Fans are yeah. very knowledgeable. <laughs> All right, next question. So. You played a few different places overseas. So what's your favorite place, favorite country to play in besides the U.S.? I like Greece. I, play, I played in Greece for a month, month and a half. So I, I would say Greece, is, it was a little more Americanized at the time. I'm sure they're all more Americanized now. But uh, at that time, it was, I would say Greece. Greece looks beautiful. Have you been to like Mykonos and those like coastal places? No, I've been to Thessaloniki twice. Uh, the city that I played in uh, was there professionally. And then uh, for the USA basketball team, we went there and, and lost in the 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 world championship to who to australia andrew bogut he killed us (laughs) i don't remember that wow he was the number one pick the next year (laughs) oh man that's awesome all right so next question here um if you could pick one nba team to play for right now you jump on the roster who would it be the lakers (laughs) that seemed like an easy one as well um off we're gonna get off basketball now just in general who's winning the super bowl I would say the Kansas City Chiefs. I think uh, there's a new sheriff in town. You know, Mahomes is the, the new young kid, and I think uh, Brady's going to be pretty mad he loses this one. Oh, I hope you're right. What are you doing for the game? <laughs> uh, nothing. Try just watching it at home. No plans. Yeah, hanging back. No, it's, it's that. such, Nick, that's such a – that's not my question, see, because obviously we're in a pandemic. <laughs> you're not really seeing people in the Super Bowl. Are you going to some Super Bowl party? Yeah, I might have a few friends here. Hey, we're being safe. <laughs> Hey, listen, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm in my prime right now, age-wise. I got I to gotta have some friends over, have some fun, all right, Spen? Right, you're, yeah. You're two, years, you're two years younger than me, dude. Like, I, I'm not that old. Anyway, sticking now to the quarantine. Obviously, you've been staying in a lot lately. Um, what's your quarantine binge TV show? Uh, I would say The Shy. I just started watching it. Well, I already finished it. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was one of my shows. But everything else I probably already watched. <laughs> So much time, right? Yeah. <laughs> nice. And last question on the Fireside Nets rapid fire. Sorry, Nick's rapid fire, Fireside Nets. Would you accept a virtual challenge when, you know, when the pandemic is over to play me and Spen in the game of horse? Horse? Uh, yeah, that's pretty easy. I'm sure I win. <laughs> oh, all right. We can throw some money on it. Hey. <laughs> no, we, we, don't, we don't do our gambling on this. <laughs> Dude, I, we need to gamble on more things. By the way, how's your Achilles, Nicholas? I haven't even – you haven't given me a single update CJ, on here. I was playing this dude one-on-one in basketball, and I tore my Achilles trying wow. to get by him. <laughs> wow. Didn't, didn't, didn't quite make it on. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'll be back in March. March or April, I'll be back. Right. All right. All right.
<laughs> Kevin Durant, he, he came back. Let's see if you come back stronger than him. <laughs> yeah, big, big shoes to fill. But uh, all right, that's all I got, CJ. I appreciate it, bro. No, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for coming on. That was CJ Watson with Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick. We, we thank you. You know, love to have you back on in the future. And uh, when the Virgin Hotel opens, I'll, I'll definitely get, tell my buddy that, uh, you know, whenever you want to come by, let me know and I'll hook you up. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. I'm only coming when you're in town. You're the, you're the guy, hey, sounds done. like. So I got to come when you're in town. That works. <laughs> He'll give us like a nice little cabana. We'll be on the water. Hey, keep the drinks Let me coming. know. I'll, I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> they, they, they call him Boz. Bozzy Boz. That's the guy. All right, CJ. Thank you so much, man. All right. Appreciate you it. You have a good night. You too. As always. Catch you on the fire side.